0: It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, powered by the staff at Race RaceChaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker.
1: I'm your host, Tom Baker. Welcome to the Stock Car Show, another evening of motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. It is good to be back with you again as we get ready to wrap up another week and go into a weekend full of motorsports in Chicago land. We've got uh, the ARCA racing series actually running this evening, which will be following the live broadcast of this show. Uh, I think it starts at nine o'clock Eastern. I want to say on FS one, I believe. And, should be interesting. This one uh, we'll talk about and break down here for you. And actually, to do that, you got to kind of talk about some things that took place This past week, the ARCA Racing Series has been racing every week, it seems like, for about four or five straight weeks now. And uh, last week, no different, they were at Gateway. So we'll talk about Sheldon Creed's big win there a little later on in the program and plenty more to get to as well. Sitting with me around the round table inside the Race Chaser Race City USA studios here in Mooresville, North Carolina, are Jacob Seelman from Speed Sport News and part of our Race Chaser media broadcast team, and Tyler Dayton with us as well. We haven't had Tyler here in a while, and good to have Tyler back. He's going to be working through some of the conversation with us, and of course, we also have Cisco Scaramuza via the Race Chaser Skype Line. So let's uh, kind of get things started here. Breaking news story this morning. This one is going to be an interesting one to kind of break down and talk about it's a, little a bummer bit. um yeah it, it really is it's one of the it's one of these stories that you really don't like to even have to discuss because it really ends up most of the time these things end up not being positive for anyone involved it just becomes very ugly but here are the details Brendan Poole, who of course has raced the past couple of seasons with chip ganassi racing in the nascar xfinity season the series rather and is now uh out of that ride of course at the end of last season we saw Brennan out of that car and we saw that 48 team basically go away Chip went to a one car operation with a 42 car and DC Solar ended up on the cup car for Kyle Larson and we all kind of wondered what in the world happened there because there were a lot of rumors about where Brennan and DC Solar might be heading for 2019 and speculation was perhaps to the Cup series and perhaps to Richard Childress Racing. Well, Brennan Poole has now file, has now filed a lawsuit against both Chip Ganassi Racing and Spire Sports and Entertainment, who is representing Poole as his agency, and he claims that they illegally conspired to move the DC Solar sponsorship from the Xfinity series to the Cup Series with Kyle Larson. And basically, Brennan Poole got forced out at that point. And so this, by the way, this story broke uh, on ESPN. It was a Bob Pockriss story. And according to the article, I'll read some of it just to give all of you the gist of where this is. According to the complaint in North, North Carolina Superior Court, uh, Poole brought the D.C. solar sponsorship to Ganassi, who got $2.5 million for a 17 race pool schedule in the Xfinity Series in 2015, 5.2 million for a full Xfinity season in 16, and 5.5 million for another full Xfinity season last year in 17. So uh, the amount kept going up each year. And Brennan claims that causes in that clauses rather in that contract, which was primarily a two-year non-solicitation clause. uh, prohibit the sponsorship remaining at Ganassi without Poole's consent because he brought it. The amount of damages he's seeking isn't specified, nor is he seeking an injunction to keep DC Solar from appearing on Larson's Cup car as it has this season. So basically where we're at uh, is that Poole also allegedly paid Spire $67,000 plus in base retainer and commissions from September 14th through December of last year, he alleges that misrepresentations by Spire thwarted potential deals. Now, this is where this really gets interesting for me. Supposedly, according to the suit, Poole claims that Spire told him Junior Motorsports wanted $7.5 million for an Xfinity ride in 2016 when the actual price was three point two. He also alleges that Spire misrepresented to DC Solar that if it wanted to sponsor a cup car at Richard Childers Racing in 2018, it would cost $15 million. RCR actually wanted $10 million, according to the pool complaint, and RCR would arrange business deals for DC Solar worth a $6 million profit. DC Solar only offered $8 million to RCR, and the deal never materialized, according to the complaint, and also, pool alleges that Spire signed a contract as a consultant for Ganassi in its sponsorship search to replace Target as a Larson sponsor, and that created a conflict of interest. And so where you start with this, and I guess I'll start with Jacob here, where you start with this is, first of all, this is one of those situations where there is going to be a lot of he said, she said involved, but if this allegation or these allegations are proven to be true, this Jacob could have huge implications, not only for Chip Ganassi Racing, but for Spire Sports as well
2: and this is the part where i simply shake my head in frustration and go sadly i'm not all that surprised at this because there's been talk through the years of of things that i won't really get into but when you look at a marketing agency asking for more money than what it's actually worth, well, you can put two and two together and do the math as to where the rest of that money is going. And the person I feel the worst for in all this is Brennan Poole, because quite simply, he got screwed in this entire deal. Allegedly. All I got to say is I'm a much bigger believer in what Brennan Poole's saying right now than I am in the uh, lack of comments. Well, but to be fair,
1: we... We only, we, we, right. we only know what we see. Right. We only know
2: what we see, but... you've got to
1: be careful about assigning truth to something that's alleged.
2: All right. Then I'll put it like this. I would much sooner believe the picture that Brennan Poole has painted because it certainly makes a whole lot of things that have happened over the last 12 months make much more sense than they did without the information that was revealed today. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like that.
1: Yeah, Cisco, I think you, you look at this, and we, we thought when D.C. Solar first went to Cup and went to Larson, and all of a sudden Ganassi was down to one team and Poole was out, we thought and, and talked about on this show that that seemed like a fairly drastic – turn of events because that had never even been speculated so as jacob says these allegations would appear to make that situation and that development make sense
3: yeah they would so ultimately until this gets sorted out However, however, whichever course it takes, ultimately, we're going to sit here and more information is going to come out. And this is going to be a situation where it's going to get a whole lot more ugly before it's going to get more clear. So it's it's an unfortunate situation because this is not really good for any of the parties involved. But now we're going to sit here and find out I it it's going to be interesting to see this magnifying glass put on the operations and the sponsorship sort of de- uh, delegations that happened during the off season. Cause I think we're going to get an even bigger idea of what that looks like from the inside through this case.
1: Well, I think the thing that I look at here is first of all, from Brendan pool's side, this is very, this had to be very difficult for him to do because this, obviously, you never want to have to have a situation go to this point. Um, and, and I don't know exactly how he wins here because you've lost DC Solar. You're not getting him back. And so aside from some sort of dollar figure that he gets as a settlement, um, he's still not racing. He still doesn't have a sponsor. you know, So it's, it really isn't a big win for him. I'll get to you, Jacob, in a second. Spire Sports, however, stands to lose significantly in this if the allegations are proven true, and here's why. There is nothing wrong with, depending on how agencies and sponsorships, I mean, the agency has is a for-profit agency, so it has to make money. But the, the issue you've got here is they represent some of the biggest clients in NASCAR, And I think they have clients outside of NASCAR as well. And so if, in fact, there were improper dealings here, and this gets proven to be true, then they stand the possibility of losing some of those high-priced clients. So this could be a big blow for Spire, depending on how all this turns out, and you know, Chip Ganassi Racing, really, if it's proven that he was aware of everything that was going on and was conspiring and involved, it's going to be potentially hazardous for, for that team as well. So this is certainly one of those situations, Jacob, that, like I said at the top, nobody's really going to win in a proper sense here. True. Somebody's, it's going to be decided in somebody's favor, but nobody really wins.
2: Well, let me throw this out there before we go to break. Who's to say that when all the CD stuff potentially comes out of this, that DC Solar doesn't uh, look CGR and in the face, go, um, bye and put their faith back where it was when they first entered the sport. There's nothing saying that they couldn't potentially link back up with Brennan if all this comes to light the way he alleges.
1: Well you you bring up an interesting point. What did what did D C Solar know?
2: When did they know it? And what did they want? Because from we what don't... I know about them, they wanted to stick with Brennan Poole. That was the whole reason my... that they came into NASCAR with Brennan in the first
1: place. Then my only argument to that is, why didn't they? they ha- there, was no- there was never a time when they didn't have that option they ended up choosing to stay with chip and go to the cup series
2: and leave Brendan out in the cold. Well, so you, ha- you you have <laughs> to want, you have to wonder what other factors were at play. Yeah. There.
1: It'll be very interesting. This is definitely not something that's going to be settled anytime soon. I suspect we'll be hearing a lot more about this going forward and, you know the only thing i can say about this is it's never pleasant to even have to talk about because in our sport you never like to see you don't like to see conflict anywhere in life it happens in business sometimes but um this certainly is going to be one of those um i think those situations that we're going to have to be dealing with in the news for a while here and i just hope that uh i hope that the right results happen whatever they may be with that we're going to step aside when we come back plenty more we're just getting started here on the stock car show presented by hms motorsport the leaders in motorsport safety you can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com back with more in a moment on spreaker and the performance motorsports network
3: Hi, I'm Noah Gregson and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network, brought to you by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com, and I think it's two weeks from now, we'll have uh, Billy Glavin from HMS Motorsport back in the studio to talk about some motorsport safety topics, which is always Part of our favorite uh, things to do because we Indeed. are all about safety here.
2: And, yes. you know,
1: after last weekend, it's just one of those topics
2: that keeps yes. rearing its ugly head. A tiny keynote here for the guy that brought us back A keynote commercial break. Uh, Noah Gregson was fourth earlier today in practice for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Chicagoland behind Ben Rhodes, who, God bless the boy, needs some good luck. <laughs> yeah, he does. Somebody find him a, a hauler full of four-leaf clovers and a, a set of golden horseshoes, he something, needs, anything. Yeah, he needs to go steal yeah. Harvick's golden oh horseshoe. Not just Harvick's golden horseshoe. I think he needs about three of them at this yeah. point. Uh, Dalton Sargent was second, by the way, and Johnny Sauter, uh, the mile-and-a-half dude as of late, was fastest if you were looking for the surprise winner from Gatewell. I guess Justin Haley's not a total surprise breakthrough. I, you know, we can winner. we can talk about that a little bit yeah. because if you were looking for the breakthrough winner, he was thirteenth.
1: Yeah, and and again, I I mean, I just don't assign very much uh, credence to practice times because everybody's on their own agenda. But I think Justin will be there when it matters. But there are a couple of guys, and I, and I'll get get everybody uh, in the group involved in this here. I'll start with Jacob, then we'll go around the table, but the i i think that probably the two guys that could most accurately use Metallica's No Leaf Clover as their theme song this year have been Ben Rhodes and his teammate Matt Crafton Jacob My who's goodness. just had an abysmal year so far
2: yeah that's not even an understatement matt crafton has not gotten any results this year he's had speed He's been in contention, and something happens every day week. It's just not even funny anymore. It's disheartening for the 88 bunch because we all know they know how to win races. It's not like Matt Crafton's just forgotten how to drive a truck fast no. and go to victory lane. That's just not how it works. He's just been bit by every little thing there is that you can be bit by this season. But Thor Sport Racing as a whole, so far in Chicago, has looked very good. They were third, fifth, sixth with Rhodes- Crafton and Endfinger, and even Myatt Snyder wasn't that far off down in 11. Uh, Oh, you mean practice. Yeah, I I said in Chicago. Sorry, my bad. um, Yeah, third, fifth, sixth, and 11th for the Thor Sport trucks. So they have very consistent speed. The guy who I was really surprised by today was Dalton Sargent, who ran more laps than anybody with the exception of Bo Lamastis. So so among the front runners, he ran the most laps of anybody at Chicago earlier today. And that's a team I feel like has started to build some things this year. That's the one team at GMS that – I feel like has really had some speed yeah, I and could, could contend. But Dalton's fresh. He's just not quite there well, yet. Well, and he... also, again, he's had some bad luck, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bola
1: Mastis needs plenty of practice. He's still really trying to step up into that, that role, yes. I think, in, in that kind of equipment. Uh, Tyler, we'll go to you next. Uh, you, I don't think you were terribly surprised that Justin finally got a win. But nonetheless, the fact that it's finally over with now, you're a driver. You know what it's like after you win for the first time, whether it's first time for the year, first time in a division. Momentum's a funny thing. Is it likely we see Justin back in Victory Lane again? Maybe this weekend or very soon.
8: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think the win at Gateway was relief. You know, he's been so close. He's had some bad luck running up front, and now he's finally got that win under his belt. I believe that is going to be. There's going to be some momentum there. Confidence, especially, especially this, weekend, especially this weekend. Especially yeah. this weekend, I think you know the confidence is going to be huge. I think he'll be able to go out there and you know, if he doesn't win, he's going to put up top three, guaranteed. Just from the confidence boost itself, yeah. guaranteed, guaranteed, wow. guaranteed.
1: He's calling the shot. Podium finish for Justin Haley at Chicago and Cisco. Are you buying or selling?
3: I'm still going to sell. I think it's still a little bit too early, I guess, to see it. I JJ's had speed and. I think it's going to happen but I just nah I just don't think Chicago is going to be the track. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. No faith. So we've uh, we, Well, we, I I have faith in that team. I just I don't think Chicago is going to be the track to make it happen. I mean, they had a good run at Texas. So I mean, if they can employ what they learned there to make it happen at Chicago another mile and a half, then yeah, they'll have a shot at it, but I'm just I'm not seeing enough to say he's going to be able to win. I think they'll have a good well, run, I, but I don't think the, he's going to win. The buyer
1: sell was top three.
3: Not, oh, top not three? necessarily a win. Tyler said top three.
1: He guaranteed a top I, the, three. The
3: pro, do, we, do we have a, uh, a Kyle Busch in the race this no. week? No. Oh, okay. So In that know. case, it's going to be a whole lot easier because Kyle Busch has won five of the races at Chicago. So Justin has a better shot at it. So. Just,
2: just to clarify, we have a Brandon Jones in the 51 this week. Who, always, I, eh, who I would argue is almost as dangerous of late.
1: Especially a yeah, mile was and, and a half. Because
2: Brandon loves the mile and a half yes. tracks. He's very good. It doesn't matter who he's driving. Now, not to turn the focus away from trucks for about 10 the, seconds. where you want to go. But you wanted to, if you really want to talk about the subject of momentum, I'll offer Exhibit A, the pole sitter for tonight's Scott 150 Arca Racing Series event. Hi, Sheldon Creed, again. Yeah, and here's the thing about that.
1: And we can, uh, we've got just a couple of minutes left before the next break, and we can continue this after the break if you want. I think the big thing that I look at with Sheldon is exactly what we just talked about. It took him forever to win his first race. Now he's won two. He's won two of the last three. Uh-huh. And it is entirely fair, in my opinion, to argue that he probably should have had at least two more this year yes. that literally got taken from him by either crashes where we go into overtime and, you know, somebody gets him on a restart or whatever. <laughs> Daytona. Yeah, Daytona was a prime example of that.
2: Talladega, too. Talladega as matters. well.
1: Sheldon, and this wasn't even a race this past week at the gateway wasn't even a track Sheldon thought he was going to run well at. And he went in and didn't just win. He basically dominated the event. So this really looks to me like it could be an interesting rest of the season. He's got a firm grip about 155 points now on the, the championship standings lead, Tyler, over his teammate, Zane Smith. And I think Sheldon is on a mission at this point to just try to run the
8: table. Uh, it's actually pretty scary uh, watching, like, the two wins he's had. Um, he bo- Both those races he won, he won by a lot. Yeah. Like, he wore the field out in both those races. And I think he got the pole in both those races. I'm not sure. But when he gets the pole, it's scary for everybody else. Because yeah. usually he just pulls out, gets in a rhythm, and drives away. You know, it's only those times when something crazy happens. Caution on the last lap. Whatever, and they go to the overtime that he's had his problems on the late race restarts or what it may right. be, but um, you can't you can't base a result off something like that really because you know he ran so well the whole race and then one restart yeah. that's it yeah you know. By the way,
2: Tom mentioned right off the top that it feels like the ARCA Racing Series has been racing every week for the last four or five weeks. Well, that's because they have been racing every week for the last four or five weeks. In fact, tonight marks the sixth consecutive week in a stretch of 11 straight weeks that the ARCA Racing Series will be in action. So this is the sixth race in an 11 race in a row stretch for them, which is really unprecedented. The last couple years we haven't had that, but they go all the way through the summer. It's like all all the way till the middle of August before we finally get a bit of a break here for these guys before I think DeCoyne will be where that that break comes between Springfield and DeCoyne.
1: And we'll continue talking about the Gateway Arca race from last week around the turn. And then also lead that into a preview of tonight's race, which starts, as I mentioned earlier, about nine o'clock Eastern. So right after we get off the air. Uh, So we'll be back with more conversation about Arca. We got all kinds of stuff still to get through here on tonight's Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
4: Or you can email them at office@bsrinc.com. At Drift Nirvana,
1: getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America.
7: Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Or you may be listening to us in on-demand form uh, on iHeart or iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or TuneIn or just about anywhere else that... uh, podcasts are available if you don't know how to find us in on-demand form you can just go to any of those that i mentioned or soundcloud and just uh, type in race chaser radio three words race chaser radio and uh, you will be able to have access to every show that we do on the race chaser radio network with that we get back to talk of arca both before and let's say after, because tonight's race starts after this show finishes airing live, and we were talking Cisco about the series and about Sheldon Creed and the and the points lead that he has. MDM Motorsports, as a group, has been darn near unbeatable in the series, and when you look at last week, they were one, two and three and actually seven if you bring anthony alfredo into the equation who was racing arca for the first time uh zane smith ended up in a crash and finished i think 16th something like that but you had sheldon um harrison burton and chase purdy one two three it's been pretty much all MDM Motorsports with a few exceptions in the Arca series this year. Really amazing given that you've got Gibbs Racing, you've got Venturini, you've you know you've got some very strong teams but aside from a couple of wins by the Venturini cars, it's pretty much been all
3: MDM. I think a lot of that speaks to just how much has been put into development through Toyota. I mean, you look at all of the wins from Arca, every race this season has been won by a Toyota, not a Chevrolet hasn't won a race this season. Ford hasn't won a race this season. Every single race has been won by a Toyota. And wow. Yeah. I didn't even
1: see. I did not put that together, but that's true. Now that you look at the, at the actual winners and the stats. Yeah.
3: It's, 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 I, equate, I think I equated it to a McAnally kind of situation that we're seeing in the ARCA series. It's very similar to that. But I, I think a lot of this speaks to just how much time and effort that Toyota has put into their development programs. And they're getting the fruits of their labor at this point. We're already starting to see the other two manufacturers realize what they have to do and start going into that, you know, start. Creating a little bit of that similar idea to get drivers through development programs. Certainly, we've seen it with John Hunter Nemechek. You know, basically becoming the Chevrolet. Hey, he's the Chevrolet driver in Xfinity. He loves Chevys. Chevys are great. So, kind of started to see a little bit of that. <laughs> okay, um, yeah.
1: It's. I mean, of course, it doesn't hurt, Jacob, when your organization, which is MDM, mm-hmm. has mark mcfarlane basically at the top of it and you've got yep. crew chiefs like marty Lindley and jeff Stankowitz and shane hoffman um robert hoffman who are just they're almost unparalleled i mean the success that this group has had just individually in other situations and combined is probably unparalleled in any one organization in the sport, and, you know, it just makes it... I mean, unfortunately, I was hoping that uh, the Bryant Motorsports operation would... Chad Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Chad Bryant would would basically continue uh, at the level it was when it was Cunningham, but that just hasn't happened this year. Yet. yet, at least. And, you know, to be fair, it isn't that necessarily Riley Herbst hasn't had some good runs for Joe Gibbs, but... I really would have expected him to be much more uh, of a contender for the championship than the way it's turned out as well. Just really amazing how
2: MDM has overpowered all of that. Yeah, in some facets. In other facets, I'm not totally surprised. They stockpiled a ton of experience at the national level onto a team that's competing... uh, basically at the regional series level. And when you do that, you're going to overpower everybody. And that's no disrespect to JGR or any of the other teams, even Venturini for that matter. But especially in JGR's case, the ARCA Racing Series is not their primary focus. And I, I don't mean that to take away from the ARCA program that they've built with Riley Herbst. But I don't feel like necessarily that that program is looked at over there, in the same way that the Xfinity and the Cup programs are, just in the way a that it came together and b kind of you see the performance now. I just don't know that maybe everybody has the time to put in the same. I don't want to call it Herculean effort, but you know what I, you know what I'm yeah. getting at yep. uh, the the same level that they need to in order to be successful and chase championships in the Xfinity and the Cup series. I, I do agree with you with you know as far as MDM's uh, having
1: the national level people it's it's definitely the truth and the drivers for the most part I mean Chase Purdy as a rookie and you look at the results and say well he had that that had that good of a season but if you really pay attention to the performances Tyler Chase Purdy has been in the top five or. Better in almost every race he's run that team has had a lot of bad luck they made mistakes on pit road in several of the races that cost them chase has made a couple of rookie mistakes that have led to crashes he's finally put it together the last couple weeks and they've had two top five finishes he almost pulled it out last week i think if anybody is due to step up and snag one This week, Chase Purdy out of that MDM camp could be interesting to watch in the race because if they can just put a complete race together and not make any mental mistakes, I think they've got, obviously, they've got the speed to run with, with Sheldon. But boy, I mean, Sheldon has just, he's been driving the car. It's as, as good as Jeff Stankiewicz is, Sheldon's been driving it. But Chase is definitely probably the most improved over the last uh, three, four races.
8: Yeah. Uh, I think gateway was a huge confidence booster yeah. for that whole team. Just um, like the, they ran so good at the plate tracks, but they just didn't get that result that they yep. needed. You know, uh, Daytona caught up in a big accident. I don't know if they got caught up in an accident at Talladega too. I don't remember if they talk about
1: chase or Sheldon chase chase. Yeah. I think chase, chase did sparked Talladega. the accident
8: yeah. that uh, yeah. Yeah. led to the yeah. one line, but he's yeah. running because good that's, all day. He hurt his back there yeah. running good all day. Um, and I just think Gateway was huge for that whole team, and I think you're going to see it maybe carry over to Chicagoland because he's been he hasn't been bad on the on the big tracks. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's gonna. He might not have the speed that Sheldon does because Sheldon's just got that momentum on his side right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you're going to see a good finish out of the eight car. I sure hope so, because it's been, it's been nice to see him get some good finishes lately. Well, it has. He
1: chases, Chase needs to win a race. And, you know, I think uh, this is as good a chance as he's going to have on a mile and a half track to go get that done. He's in a good position right now if they can just keep finishing races. Cisco, is there anything about the Arca Series? Is there a driver? Is there a situation that you're kind of keeping an eye on, that you think maybe an emerging situation to watch
3: that we haven't talked about yet. I mean, I I'm hesitant to to say to say who I'm going with because I just haven't seen enough consistency out of it. But Leilani Munter has been knocking at the door a couple of times. She's had a couple good runs, and she's in Venturini equipment. So I mean, you that- know the opportunity for her is there to go out and have some good finishes. She had an 8th eight, eight at Daytona and a ninth at Michigan. So she's had, you know, some good runs at this point. I'm just waiting to see what's in the But that could be fun of the drive.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. And that brings up an interesting point, too. For this weekend in Chicagoland, a first. Venturini Motorsports, the first ever stock car team, with a three female racer lineup in stock car racing, you you've got uh, in the modern era. In the modern era, well, have we ever had three in the? Uh, I don't know that. I, the,
2: I don't know that we have either. I'm just taking the wording. But, I'm taking listen. I'm taking the wording straight from the press release. They said the fine. first team in the modern era: Leilani Munter,
1: uh, Natalie Decker, and Tony. Is it Bar- Bre- Bredinger? Bredinger. Okay, I always mispronounce her name. That's why I asked you. Tony Bredinger, um, all three of those ladies have speed. I mean, that's, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Uh, and good for Venturini Motorsports as far as I'm concerned because, very honestly, I would like to see some top female talent emerge. And this is a series where that could happen. Uh, you know, and Venturini's got equipment that can put them there. We saw Chandler yeah. Smith win. We, you know, we we've we seen Michael Christian Self win. win. We've seen Christian Eckes win. You know, they've got equipment that still is capable of winning in this series. Absolutely. You I know, mean I don't think any of the
2: three ladies are ready yet to win. But no, I would agree with that you know, statement. They could all
1: finish in the top ten to twelve. I think it would be sure. an
2: outstanding day. I think it would be an outstanding day if they uh, if they pull that off. One of those where you just you sit and you look, you sit and you marvel. Honestly, at what they've done. I mean, this goes all the way back to the all female pit crew that Big Bill Venturini had when he (laughs) was in the midst of winning races and winning his ARCA championships back when his wife Kathy was leading the all-female pit crew. And that was not a publicity stunt. There are people that look back on that and go, was that a PR thing? No. They were 100% on their game and made a lot of great advances in the the pit world at that time, just like the drivers are doing now. So it's cool to see. Um, Tony is somebody I'm familiar with on the USAC Midget side uh, with what used to be the the Focus Midgets out west and the all-time winningest uh, female driver in USAC history. She's done well. Natalie, of course, has the pole at Daytona. Leilani's got some experience. She's still learning these bigger tracks, but it's cool to see. I think Michael will be able to give all of them some really good information oh, yeah. and be able to help bolster them this weekend bold here's my bold prediction i think natalie contends for a top five finish here in this race she
1: tonight. well could natalie certainly could and i think i agree with um with cisco too i think levani munter is due for a good run we'll see how that works out uh and oh by the way just for point of reference back in the 70s mike Losher, who many racing insiders will probably remember as being the originator and owner of the finish line racing school down in Florida for many many years originally was from western new york and had an all girl pit crew on his modified back in the 70s that was the first time i ever heard of that concept it was pretty neat because back in those days females weren't even allowed in all of the pit areas around so um definitely something neat to see what venturini motorsports is doing we wish them all good luck later this evening in the race with that we step aside we come back much more of the stock car show to be presented by HMS Motorsport here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Everywhere
7: you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design at what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
5: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
3: Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: That is my favorite piece of re-entry music that we have. Out of all of the music we have, that is my absolute favorite, Jim Croce. Bad, bad, Leroy Brown. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. We are live on both of those sources, and we are happy to be with you here as we kind of get you set for the Arc race, which starts right after this show ends here on this particular Thursday night, about 9 o'clock Eastern on FS1. And, you know, just going to be an interesting series, I think. I want to divert from that in this segment. I want to talk about cars. Can we talk about cars?
2: Well, we've been talking about cars the entire way. but I believe You're referring to the sanctioning body and not the vehicle. That would
1: be correct as well. And uh, this will be a good time to bring in Cisco Scaramuza into the discussion in a more, uh, I guess you could say more frequent sense because, well, Cisco is part of the Cars videocast live stream, however you want to say it, team. Pit, Pit Road TV. Pit Road TV. Thank you. Uh, and <laughs> you were on him. Ha- First of all, before we talk about the race, what were your impressions of Carteret County? Because that's a speedway that not even a lot of people right here in the Charlotte area of North Carolina have been to yet, but the reputation is that the speedway is an absolute gorgeous facility.
3: Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, there's history all around the racetrack. One of in turn number four, they have one of the old '76 towers from back at Talladega. Oh, nice! '76 pictures all over the place. Uh, different references to old manufacturers that used to run in the series. References to tracks. Sponsors, basically, if you could put a best of of you know, tell us what you know NASCAR was back in the back from when it began all the way up through the modern era. There's something there that represents that. That's awesome.
1: So it really now you're practically on the beach, right? When you're at Carteret, I mean, it's like yeah, it's just down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're ever planning a trip out toward the coast. Uh great idea to plan a Carteret race stop around it, or at least go see the facility and see the history that's there. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I hate to say this past week was more of the same, but this past week was more of the same. Lots of crashes, lots of frustration, lots of people hot under the collars on a hot Saturday night in a cars race. Yep. Cisco.
6: Well,
3: I, you know, the two major incidents, and I think, well, the the major incident I think out of that whole weekend was the incident between Barry and Riggs, which I'm sure we'll get into, and the other incident between Charlie Watson and Ronald Hill. I'd say were the two major incidents of that particular weekend.
1: So let's talk about the incident with uh, because that was really the the one that everybody's been talking about. It, it, you know between Barry and and Lane Riggs. Lane, by the way, for, again, point of reference for the audience, Lane Riggs is the son of former NASCAR driver Scott Riggs, and Lane is a young racer with a whole lot of talent who actually ended up missing part of this season because of an off-track injury that he suffered. I think he broke his collarbone um, and had to miss maybe a race or two. But uh, back in the saddle and back in contention for wins – but um, he wasn't a happy camper after this one was
6: over.
3: No, he wasn't. But uh, some of that obviously was dispelled after the race. So the incident we're referring to happened in turn number two was, uh, I think, unintentionally. It was hard to see because with as far as the cameras go, everything was behind the haulers and all that. So it was kind of hard to see. But Josh Berry shot to the inside of Riggs, spun him out, got him a little bit loose. Riggs basically does a full 360. And then right as he goes around, the, the lap machine of Sarah Cornette Ching, who's a local racer from that area uh, and was driving the, the uh, title sponsor, the Solid Rock Carriers machine, was up on the outside. She lost control of that car right in front of Riggs, and Barry basically ramped over the front of her hood. So that's would end up taking Barry out of the race. However, what Riggs was upset at was the fact that he was sent to the back of the line now. From what I understand, the reason he was upset was due to the fact that the Cars Tour does not use the blend rule that NASCAR does. If you're involved in an accident in NASCAR, if your car keeps going straight, you blend back out where everybody wherever you do in the midst of traffic. However, the Cars Tour uses the rule of if you were involved in an accident, you go to the back. They weren't aware of this, apparently, so I've been told. So Lane was mad because he was in the accident. He thought he could, you know, maintain the lead because he had just done the 360 and kept going. However, due to the way the cars tool, because of this rule, that's not the case. He was in the accident. He went all the way around. So he has to go to the back. So that's where a lot of the frustration came from.
1: Tyler, you're a racer, and uh, you've spent some time in the super late model. Uh, so you kind of understand this situation. But even so, as a racer, there's different ways of calling a race
8: and dealing with crashes and those involved in crashes. What's your take on that? Well, I know for a fact that standard rule in most short track racing is if you're involved in the accident, you go to the back. That's 90% of short track racing super late model rules. So I don't know. Them not knowing that's a little, little odd to me that they wouldn't know that he spun out and he was the cause of the caution, so he was to the back. Um, but, you know, I've done the same thing where I've spun and kept going. Um, I don't think the, ca- I, I honestly don't think the caution would have come out unless, until, you know, the thing with Cornette and Barry happened. Right. Um, but I guess for Lane's sake, I'm glad he, I'm, he's glad the caution did come out or else he probably would have gotten lapped or therefore, but. I don't know. It's just a little weird to me that they didn't know that rule. Well, when they run the series full-time, pretty much, that they wouldn't know that. Well,
1: he also runs NASCAR stuff, and so you, you kind of get it. But at the same time, you've got to know the rule, and it's once you understand that this is a series rule, Jacob, it's kind of hard to object to it at that point. Yeah. It's not like they made it up. They're just enforcing the rule of the rule book.
2: Exactly. And, again... If you're a full-time touring series team, like Lane is, one would think they've been through the rulebook a time or two. That's all I'm going to say, Cisco. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say.
3: And ultimately, you have to understand that, you know, while they're upset about this rule, this was the exact situation, and it was ruled in the exact same way it was at Hickory. So, I mean... Well, if you have problems, you know, with them not using the blend rule or something, you know, that's different. But as far as the rule calling goes, that was in line with, you know, Chris Regel the, the the race director, called the exact same way at Hickory that he did here. So you have to give him credit for that. He's kept parity in those two incidents. Well, it's a
1: pretty simple rule to enforce. It, it, you either are involved or you're not. I personally, having had race director experience and understanding what racers think about and go through my personal choice when I'm race directing would be if you spun and kept going and you weren't a part of the original cause of the caution, then you get your spot back. Um, I always try if somebody spun somebody else out, the guy got spun out, goes back to the spot. And the guy who did the spinning out goes to the back. Who spun the other guy goes to the back. Um, But it's a rule. So if you don't like the rule, then you you probably should lobby to have the rule changed before the next season, but it isn't as though they were unfairly penalizing him. We're just simply putting him to the back because they said, well, you spun. So I guess their frustration was probably, well, but I kept going. So that's where I kind of look at those situations. You try to always give a driver the benefit of the doubt, in my personal opinion, but you can't. Uh, it, it, to me there's no argument there just go to the back and you know come to the front and don't worry about it racers tend to just sometimes uh, uh find too much fault and spend too much time worrying and arguing over things that it, that it can't they don't really have any control over but talk about the race as a whole cisco i mean you know it this this series really i mean the super late model side has been a disaster for the last couple of races and the and the nascar late models haven't been quite as bad, but there's just a lot of crashes, a lot of equipment that gets that gets uh, bent up and a lot of tempers that get bent up out of shape, it seems like every week in the on the cars tour lately.
3: Um, yeah, it it's not been great. I mean the other major incident that we saw out of this race was between Watson and uh Ronald Hill. And apparently what happened there was the 74 actually locked up brakes and just completely wiped out the 9W. So Watson was not happy about that uh, as he made it plain on the broadcast. But And unfortunately for that, it was an equipment deal. But, yeah, it's it, it's it been fairly rough these last couple of weeks. However, you know, the case, you know, the SLMs, they have some time off now. We're not going to see them back until the throwback 276. They need so They it. have the opportunity to kind of reset the dial on that a little bit. And they'll be. I mean, keep in mind these guys. It's not the SLM drivers, especially. They're not just running cars to it. Right. They're out running, you know, pass and whatever so else the they're super running. Series. Ca super, yep, you series. know, whatever else yep. they can get their yep. hands on. So, you know, that doesn't just stop with here. And, right. and, and I mean, the SLM story has basically been high Rafael Lizard all year. So. Well, but he's not been alone. I mean,
1: he hadn't caused every no. wreck that's happened. And, it, you know, you crash 12 cars at once, two weeks or 14 cars, whatever, a couple of races in a row, and it's kind of like, okay, you, you know, you boys just need a timeout. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of aggression in, in that division right now all over the place and a lot of drivers who unfortunately feel – comfortable with being aggressive because they can just go buy another car for the next race and that's it sort of makes it uh, difficult for those who are on a budget trying to do it right but um and, and i don't blame the cars tour for any of it because once the drivers put the helmets on then you know it has nothing to do with the tour it's just drivers being silly with that we will step aside and uh, by the way bobby mccarty got the win um again i mean bobby's hey, been shocker. cleaning house this year and good to see that because bobby is a good clean racer i've known him forever since he was in karts and you know he just works his tail off and does it right we'll be back with more of the stock car show a whole other hour here as we uh get you set for the arca race coming up after the sh- show is over on fs1 you are listening to the stock car show presented by hms motorsport the leaders in motorsports safety find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com back with more right after this on spreaker in the performance motorsports network
2: Every 30
6: minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend, my brother, my poor grandchild, my sister, my father, my husband, my mom,
2: <laughs> my mommy. Well, I've been
7: afraid of because
3: Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome
1: back to hour number two of the Stock Car Show here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network as we broadcast live here on a Thursday night. Um, And again, ARCA Race coming up following the show. Interesting if you start thinking about where this goes, because you look at even the... Uh, the qualifying for tonight's arca race and i was just noticing that uh it was sheldon creed and zane smith first and second in points first and second on the board for qualifying so they'll start front row michael self though qualified third and of course he runs the venturini 15 but then look at this cody Roebuck in the number seven car out of uh Gosh, I forgot even where the Roarbaugh's are from. West Virginia. Is it West Virginia? Yeah. I knew it was somewhere in that area, Ohio or West Virginia. Cody's uh, younger sister made her stock car debut about a month ago or and some change in the Super Cup Stock Car Series opener up at Dominion, and she actually ran pretty well. So it's good to see Cody qualifying up in the top four and then Riley Herbst rounding out the top five in the aforementioned JGR Toyota. Then you got uh, Chase Purdy, Gustine, Todd Gilliland, Travis Braden, and Austin Hill. Oh, by the way, but check this out: two drivers colliding on pit road as they made their way onto the R- speedway row. for their time lapse. Tony Bredinger, um, uh, Bredinger, Bredinger. A little bit. I see. I should just yeah. ask you from <laughs> now on. I'll I'll say Tony, and you say.
2: Bredinger. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh,
1: driving uh, for um, Venturini. Mar- Venturini yep. and Will Rogers got together. Well, that's not cool. Both of them with minor damage, I guess. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's kind of a weird deal there. So, anyway, that'll be coming up shortly. We go into the second hour, and I want to get to some summer shootout conversation in a moment, but I want to spend some time here. Jacob actually started a discussion. Off the air on Monday, prior to our Motorsports Madness show, we didn't really have time in that show to get to that the discussion on the air. But I want to do it now because I think it's a it's going to be a fun conversation to have, and those of you listening can be thinking about it yourselves and seeing if you agree or disagree with our choices or whatever. And so here was the question that ended up being posed. If there were a motorsports Mount Rushmore, who would you put on it? And we decided that it didn't necessarily need to be limited to four, and we don't have to throw out four drivers at a time here. We could just start talking about drivers Uh that we think should be on. And I'm going to go around the table. And I'll start with Tyler for a change. Just because we'll, I we'll can. Because I can. And we'll go Jacob and Cisco, and then I'll tag on at the end. Tyler, if there were a Motorsports Mount Rushmore, name one driver that you would put on Motorsports Mount Rushmore.
8: I'm going to have to go with, I mean, Petty. That's Richard Petty. That's just.
1: Okay. 200 wins. Obviously, NASCAR's king, seven championships. Um,. Okay, so one vote for Richard Petty, Jacob. John Force, of course. <laughs> he would be the loudest one probably. Dumb. On the mountain, yeah. Uh, John Force. Okay, so we got a, a, a Petty and a Force. Cisco, you're going to you going to agree with one or two of those or you're going
3: to go with your own. I'm going to say Ayrton Senna.
1: Ooh. Ayrton Senna.
2: That's good.
1: Interesting choices here. Okay, so you got it, it, funny enough none of you agreed with the other choices y'all threw out. Well, I don't let's, know that it's that we didn't necessarily
2: there. agree. I just think we were trying to be different.
1: Well, fair enough. I'll throw another different one out there. I'm going to go with AJ Foyt.
2: Yes. That was my that was the second name on my brain for this.
1: Okay, so in theory now if if we were going to limit it to 4, you've got Petty, you've got Force, You've got Senna, and you've got Foyt. There's your four. I would now, have, if we were limiting it to right, four,
2: that would be it.
1: That would be it. So let's go down that road for a minute. Tyler, if we were limiting it to four, do you like those four as they are, or would you disqualify one and go with and put somebody else in their place? Petty, Forrest, Senna, and Foyt.
8: The only driver I would swap out, and I don't know if I would swap him out, but just a just a another driver, Michael Schumacher, maybe instead of Senna. See if it were me, I'm I'm going exactly where Tyler's brain is
2: going and no disrespect to all the Senna fans in the world, but I would put Schumacher there.
1: So okay, so I'm seeing a pattern here. We've kinda got a stock car driver. We've got an F1 driver, we've and, got an IndyCar driver, and a drag racer. And I racer. guess you could count Foyt as multiple, but he's basically yeah. known for IndyCar. Yeah. And and you've got uh, a drag racer now.
2: Sorry, you, you No, it's it.
1: I you, was I was going to. It's
6: fine. You're probably ne- you're jumped next.
2: a little far. Well, I just kind of gave my piece by agreeing with Tyler there. That OK, going to be what I would have done. I think I was going to jump a little bit ahead of you because I was going to say if we weren't limiting it to four. But I'll wait. I'll be patient. I promise. Well, I, I think we've kind of. All right. So if you were going to add a fifth driver to that if i was going to add a fifth driver there's only one major american motorsports discipline that's not yet represented on that list and that's sports cars and that means that i would add scott pruitt as the fifth driver on that motorsports mount rushmore because wow. um, scott i and scotts re, you know he's most known for sports cars but he did everything now there is one other driver because that's all the that's all the major pavement disciplines there is one other driver if we're not limiting it that you have to consider for this and that's of course the king of the outlaws steve kinzer so if 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 we're looking for not limiting it and putting in my alternates scott pruitt and steve kinzer are the two here's I would what's consider interesting for that.
1: here we have gone about 5 6 minutes 7 minutes into this segment and Cisco, I have not heard the name Dale Earnhardt
3: yet. Would you... And I mean, if I was going to swap in or anybody, I'm not going to put in Earnhardt because I'm going to put in Graham Hill, the only driver who's won the Motorsport Triple Crown. There's another one. Yeah.
1: See, this is how interesting this gets, because, you know, you have a situation here where and we haven't mentioned Mario Andretti. And I think Mario would certainly deserve. He's won the Daytona 500, he's won the F1 championship, and he's also won the Indy yeah. 500
2: and has... I think Mario and A- Mario and AJ kind of go interchangeably. I mean, those are the two drivers from their era that were the most versatile drivers in all forms of motorsport. I mean, it didn't matter what they got in, they could win in it, and they did Win in it. So when you know when you're talking about a subject like this, I look at those two really as being on equal ground. If somebody had said Mario first, I wouldn't have questioned it. If somebody had said AJ first, which in this discussion you guys did, I wouldn't have questioned it. I mean, that's really how I look at those two in regards to this and to their era. But it's interesting
1: because again. If you were limiting it to four, I think we're up to about, I haven't kept track, but I think it's about nine or 10 drivers. I think we got about eight, you know, eight, nine, 10. Okay. How do you, how do you narrow this down? I mean, do you get rid of the NHRA guy just because it's NHRA? How do you figure out four drivers? This is why it would be so hard because if we're talking Mount Rushmore here, Cisco, I mean, it's not just about best necessarily in your discipline it's all time most prolific racers and that's a really subjective debate isn't it
3: yeah it is and i think it it brings up the point to where i i think you know an exercise like this is probably you know looking at you know how we've talked about it so far honestly probably impossible <laughs> well being yeah. able to to represent absolutely everybody in the racing world here you could probably find the four drivers it depends on what criteria you use whether it's the four drivers that have accomplished the most across all works of motorsports right. the four drivers that have influenced their particular uh discipline the most you know any way you cut it they're they're Every different person's gonna come up with four different people on this list.
1: Here's at what's point. funny is if you if if you eliminate categories, then this just becomes almost a free-for-all. Because you get into having conversation about a driver, for example, like Mark Donahue or Jackie Stewart, or you know, even Tony Stewart, perhaps, though I don't think he accomplished enough outside of NASCAR necessarily, except for the
2: USAC Triple Crown deal, which certainly is worth um, consideration. But hang on a minute, are we forgetting that Tony won an IndyCar championship? Well, yeah, he did win that. That's
1: true. Um, it's it, but it's just one of those. You look at this, and you could literally go on for days because, again, you go all the way, if you go all the way back to, to the start of indy and nascar and all that the names that you could come up with um so it it's just fun to think about and i think you know at some point down the road here we'll um readdress this topic and i think what would be fun is to to get the fans the listeners involved as well and try to narrow it down to four drivers because i i think there'd be a lot of uh interesting back and forth commenting on you know who should be where. I mean, if Richard Petty, okay, won two hundred races, seven titles, but Earnhardt won seven championships, and you can argue over eras and things like that. Um, a motorsports Mount Rushmore certainly, if nothing else, is an exercise in entertainment yes. for having the discussion. Um, but it's it would be, as you said, Cisco. I think almost impossible. It's just fun to think about, uh, and and it would be very very difficult to limit it to four you'd almost have to uh i think you'd have to have one from each major discipline of the sport and and go that route and then maybe throw in a wild card for you know for for uh, uh a vote so um fun stuff we'll step aside when we come back summer shootout charlotte motor speedway round four of the 25th annual bojangles summer shootout took place on tuesday i want chicken now Okay, well, you got about three minutes during the break to go get some. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: How to be a great
4: dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. (sighs) Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054.
8: Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Brandon McReynolds is a show when he's racing. He always puts on a great show, and we continue with the Stock Car Show, which is our own version of a show, here on the Performance Motorsports Network in Spreaker, and talking a little bit now about legends cars why because the biggest series well that too biggest series in the country for legends cars going on over the course of uh these next couple of months or so this is actually week three round four that took place this past tuesday they had two races in the opening week and uh one last week then one um the other day here and Unfortunately, I only got half the program in because whenever
2: it rains, the Bandoleros cannot race. So the Legends portion. I thought you were going to say when it rains, it pours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it did that, too. Yeah, Uh, you can apply that. Yeah. uh,
1: But the uh, Legends cars still do run in the rain, unfortunately, because I hate rain racing. That Um, makes Sorry, all you sports car fans, but I just don't think it's a race at that point. Um, It's not. But... (laughs) Here are the winners um, in the pro class. Sam Mayer. Now we can talk about this for a bit because now this is this was Sam's second win of the year. Sam <laughs> Sam Mayer was in fifth place until late race restart. Now the shootout
2: still uses the choose cone, or in this year this year the choose globe since they didn't want to kill another cone. Yeah. <laughs> Choose globe. That's right. I
1: forgot using the choose globe. And what that what that means, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, when you use a choose cone or choose globe, whatever, what what it is, is you before a restart, you will actually put the cone in the center of the track or however you do it. And the cars then get to choose whether they restart on the inside or the outside. What that does by that effect is it can really shake up the order for the restart Eight. in this case it handed the race to sam Mayer because the top four cars chose the top because the track was wet but it dries from the top down so the top very top of the track would be the driest part of the track they all chose the top sam Mayer said pass you very much went straight to the pole for the restart choosing the inside from fifth spot and then stepped on it and drove away from him and ended up winning the yeah, race.
2: By the way, and, well, I, I started to say Tyler can speak to this, but actually Tyler can't speak to this because he hasn't driven in a Legends car yet. I'll explain the yet in a little bit. But, Tom, you, you know this because – We've both been at the shootout for quite a while. The bottom lane traditionally is not the preferred lane when you're running a Legends car in the rain. However, Sam managed to make it work. Why? The outside lanes spun their tires because there was a little too much water up there. Yeah, well,
1: that and the fact that, look, Sam is just a talented kid
2: and, you know,
1: is has driven super late models and, and darn near won the championship in Florida this spring at uh, New Smyrna in a super late. He's run well in late model stocks. Um, you know, Sam has got a lot of talent. He's the son of Scott Mayer, who some in our audience may recognize as the former sports car, car driver. And um, Sam's definitely got the ability. But his comment to me after the race in my post-race interview with him was, based on what just happened, I hope it rains every week for the rest of the summer. (laughs) Um, Tyler, I'm sure he does. But now you've been, you raced in this event in a Bandolero back when you were a smaller version of Tyler. And um, I mean, you didn't get to race in the ranks. Bandos don't
8: run there, but you got to watch a lot of it. What's your impression of it? Uh, well, the Bandos did run in the rain one time, and it was the only Oh, they time- did? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember uh, that. There's a reason we don't race the Bandos in the rain anymore. Uh, yes. Because it didn't end very well. We tore up. Ten cars in the first corner in the race. That's
2: range? right. I remember that race now. Was that right? Was, was it a was
1: the it an all star race kind of thing? They no. went into turn one and, and all, all the cars wrecked. wrecked. Yeah. Kenny Wallace,
2: wherever you are, you are welcome. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, you realize that saying also applied at the end of the semi pro race, <laughs> yeah, right? It did. They we'll went get, into turn one and all, all the cars, cars wrecked. wrecked. We'll get to that in <laughs> a minute, but
1: yeah, uh, I've
8: never been a fan of the wet racing. I always wanted to do it, but after you know. The situation we had in the Bandos, they were like, "Okay, yeah. that's it for that." Um, but I don't know. I just think it takes a lot of the it takes a lot of the real driving away from it, the yeah. real racing away from it. You know, it's more of who's going to be the easiest on the gas and get back to the gas in a way to where they won't spin out or spin the tires. Which
1: some would argue, Cisco, that that actually is more of a driver challenge at this point. You know, because it's more about driver and pedal than it is you know, speed or whatever. Um, but to me, who can go the, the fastest, the slowest, the fastest, <laughs> it just really is, it, it's, it's just not fun to watch.
3: A race is a competition between however many drivers to get to a set point. Whatever happens, everything else, whatever, whatever the weather is, whatever the time of day it is, whatever the mode of transportation is, at the end of the day, it's still a race, at least in my mind.
1: Okay, so you're okay with it?
3: Yeah, no, I'm absolutely okay with it. If it's safe enough and the drivers l- are okay with it, let them race.
1: So thumbs up from Cisco. Thumbs up.
3: If, on... if, NASCAR, if NASCAR drivers said it was okay to race in the rain and they had rain tires in the Cup Series, let them race in the rain. Why not?
1: Okay. Uh, so, Tyler, you giving them a thumbs down or a thumbs up? The concept of racing
8: Knowing in the that race. I have it ran, I've never raced in the rain other than the Bando. I don't know how it would be in a Legend car with all that power. Uh, as a driver, I'm giving it a thumbs down. Jacob? <laughs> I'll reiterate what I said to a couple of the Bandolero drivers
2: earlier in the day on Tuesday. I hate rain. I hate racing in the rain. I hate watching racing in the rain. I hate rain. <laughs> Jacob
1: hates rain. I agree. Thumbs down. I, sorry. My, I know I have a lot of sports car friends. I don't get it. It doesn't. It just does. It's not fun to watch from a fan standpoint. No. I want to see who can go the fastest. I didn't say it was fun. Has to, I
3: didn't say racing in the rain was fun. I'm just saying it's to still watch. racing. I
1: just, yeah, to me, just not, not entertaining at all to watch. Uh, but with that being said, congratulations, Sam Mayer, because he just basically did what nobody else would do he took yep. took the lower lane and you know he could say well they spun their tires whatever but sam just drove off and won the race so good for him that was actually a very entertaining race too until that point because uh-huh. there were a lot of uh a lot of contenders in that one that could have uh made that work um dylan spain uh or Derek Lumpke rather second Dylan Spain finishing third Gustine and Nick Sanchez running out the top five Daniel Wilk ran in the top five for much of the race um and got run off the track um at one point late and just couldn't get back up through the field we move on to the semi-pro division (laughs) where Jacob basically talked about the one big incident that happened in This class, much like the Young Lions class, was on the track for like an hour, Um, which part of that was
2: cleaning up an oil spill. But nonetheless, there were actually a total of three red flag periods during that race, and for only one was an oil spill. For those (laughs) who have never been to the Bojangles Summer Shootout, the Bandolero races are twenty laps or twenty minutes whichever comes first. The Legends races are 25 laps or 25 minutes, whichever comes first. However, that time limit, the the timer stops when the red flag is displayed. So though they were on the track for over an hour part of that time was elapsed because of red flag periods. And I know race control gave them a little bit of leeway as well because they were the last feature of the night. And oftentimes the last feature of the night gets a little bit of leeway yes. on the time limit. Tyler, I know you're, you've seen that play out before at the shootout. You've actually may have been there, lived that at one point.
8: Oh yeah, I sure did. Um, I remember nights where the outlaws would, you know, go out and we'd, I don't know, pile six or seven cars up in the corner, and we just sit on the track for a good bit of time. Yep. It definitely felt, It feels so much longer than 20 minutes when you're in the car. Like, you know you get that 20-minute time limit, but you're like, sometimes you just feel like you're out there forever. Yeah, that's,
2: that's one of those where I, I've never raced it, but I know I've, I've talked to people who have said, sometimes
8: they'll show us the I, bow flag, and I'll go, really, it's been that long already? I think it's worse when you're on the grid waiting to go out for yeah, the feature, yeah, and it's taking an hour for the other feature to get done. Cause you're just sitting in the car with all your gear on and you pretty much almost fall asleep. Cause you're just, you know, you, you had so much adrenaline to get ready to go out and run and now they're taking an hour. So all and, your adrenaline wears off.
1: Well, and you're and, you know, as you said so hot too. I mean, that doesn't help either. DJ can ended up picking up the checkered flag and DJ drove a good race to get that Harrison Halder second Garrett Lowe, his best finish ever at charlotte motor speedway in a legends car finishes third uh for stillwell motorsports drew dollar fourth and um dustin rumley finishes in fifth this one started 26 cars young lions division bryson ruff got the win in this class and again this was actually it was another caution-filled race but it was a good race isaac love will a Rebus- uh, robusto Uh, both really strong in this one, but Bryson just had a little bit more than everybody else and ended up taking the checkered flag. And in the master's class, former NASCAR driver Mark Green got the win for a little while. Then we went to the tech barn and he didn't have the win. After that, Robbie Faggard ended up picking up the win when Mark's car was DQ'd. Rodney Tharp, John Craig, Todd Midas, and Carl Cormier rounding out the top five. We continue with more Summer Shootout action Tuesday, July the 3rd. That's this coming Tuesday. We have a full night of racing, plus, of course, fireworks, and more importantly, the autograph session. If you're anywhere where you can get to this coming Tuesday's Bojangle Summer Shootout race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, July the 3rd, please go do it. And make sure you get on the track and go meet some of these kids because these kids, some of them are as or more personable than their adult counterparts. And some of them are very entertaining to talk to. A lot of them are actually. And they'll have hero cards and everything to sign them. And had a great crowd last year for that, Jacob. And it was neat to see that. I took some shots of the autograph session, just mobbed. I mean, oh yeah, you know, and it was really cool to see, and the kids really enjoy it. So if you can go see that race, please do. Go to Motorspeedway dot com for info and uh, how to get tickets and all of that. But just come out and watch it because it's a doggone lot of fun.
2: Absolutely, the the autograph session for me—they've done it the last couple years now. Yeah, uh, it's become quickly one of my favorite parts of the summer. Yes, in all honesty, yep. Yep. because. As you said, it's just a mob. I mean, you you don't you, you don't understand unless you've been there. The fans flooded the front they did. stretch last summer, and the it kids love that
1: obviously because they love being the center of attention. I mean, Tyler, you you know, you're really not that much past being a kid now, but you know, you've been through autograph sessions in your career, and it's always fun to interact with the fans. That's really what part of what you're there
8: for. Yeah, it's exactly what you're there for. Um, you know, you know, you do your racing. And that's one thing, but the fans are the reason you go out there. You know? You're know, yep. you going out there to put a show on for the fans and have a good time. So um, it's always been something that I've looked forward to in racing. There are some drivers I know that hate autograph sessions because they just want to race. Um, I'm not like that. Uh, I, I prefer to talk to the fans and interact with them. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a lot of fun over the uh, past years.
1: Okay, so with that, uh, we're going to take a break because we're over time to begin with, and I've got to do a stop and go. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker.
4: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance and a whole lot less, stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444
1: Their representatives are experts on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from
3: PMN Radio sent ya. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk.
5: A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
2: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMS Motorsport, no S, com. And we continue with the uh, show and talking about Cole Custer a little bit. Uh, been some interesting discussion about him as we have gotten into this season and whether or not he will end up in the Cup Series next year. And it's interesting because when you look at the lineup at uh, SHR right now, Stuart Haas Racing, the only one you would think that would be, I don't want to use the word expendable, but the only one who you think may possibly go away at the end of this year, and it's not a for sure, would be Kurt Busch. So if Cole Koster were to come up to Cup Jacob, you would think it would be in the 41 car if it's going to be Stuart Haas. But right now, the way Kurt Busch is running, you would have to think that if he continues to run the way he has, because really the whole team's been amazing, he would at least have the desire to run another season. What do you do with Cole Custer? Do you leave him in Xfinity, or do you try to put him in a situation where maybe you go and team up with somebody a la the 77 Uh situation that they had last year for Eric Jones do you find a team to put him with as sort of a development kind
2: of situation and then bring him over the following year well that's the $64,000 question isn't it uh what 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 do you do in his situation the big the uh, biggest rumor that I've heard of late is the 32 car and a technical alliance go fast with Stuart Haas Racing in the Cup Series. Another possibility would be the 51 Rick Ware Racing team that Coles run a few starts for this season.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to think now the 32, of course, that would mean that uh, Matt DiBurito has to go find another uh, situation. And I would think that Matt honestly would have some potential suitors, Cisco, because... Matt, I, I think there are a lot of people who feel like Matt, and I don't want to, this isn't meant to be disrespectful toward GoFast, but that with better resources, we'll say it like that, Matt would be a contender.
3: Um, I, I certainly, I think it would be a case where, you know, he absolutely has the opportunity to go somewhere where they have resources Give him a test. See what he could do in good equipment. See what he looks like, you know, out on track. If you give him, you know, a ride out of a good stable like a Ganassi or an RCR or someone like that, see if he can maintain consistency and you know go full, full Tom Cruise the beginning of Days of Thunder with it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, Tyler RCR? There would be an interesting uh, concept. Maybe a third car there. If they could find the funding, it would be interesting
8: to see. Uh, Matt De Benedetto with a top team, at least to the level of RCR, right? I believe Matt's probably one of the most talented drivers out there. that just doesn't have the equipment, you know. Um, we've seen him bring out some good finishes out of equipment that shouldn't have been even close to where he was at. So, I mean, RCR, I think would be a would be a cool you know opportunity for him if it were to be presented. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, I th- I would think there would be somewhere for him to go if that were to happen with the whole Cole Custer-Stort Haas deal, um, I believe there would be somebody that would try to sit him somewhere.
1: It would be interesting. To, what do you do with Cole? I mean, I, I believe personally that by the end of this year, Cole will be ready to step up to the Cup Series. So, you know, you got to put him someplace if if at all possible. To me, it would make more sense to utilize Rick Ware so you don't displace the Benedetto. However... Um, there is another team I would think about for De Benedetto, and that's Front Row Motorsports, who is making progress this year uh, with their stronger Roush alliance, um, I would say, despite the lack of real performance out of the Roush organization. And, you know, I, but again, you've got to displace either David Reagan or Michael McDowell. And I tend to think that Matt DeBenedetto would offer you something that David Reagan doesn't, which is a driver who has a better skill set all the way around on the different kinds of tracks. David's great on plate tracks. He's pretty good on short tracks. You don't get much out of David really on, on speedways mile and a half or road courses, Tyler. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Just...
0: <laughs> I was, was looking we were, at yeah, him, but we
2: were all confused.
8: Yeah, I was looking it, at him, but, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, um, I've known David a long time and, uh, he's you know he's shown that he's good on the plate tracks like you said. Um, I've never seen him do anything on a road course. No, um,
1: he actually did look pretty good at times last week at Sonoma. They, I think McDowell's taught him some things, but
8: um, I don't know. Like I said, I I even think Matt DiBenedetto might be better on short tracks than David Regan yeah. because we saw the yeah, run really he had good. at um, Bristol. I just yeah, think, wasn't it in the BK car. <laughs> yeah, I think so yeah. I think what he finished 4th in a BK 6, Six in a BK car sixth, or something yeah. like that. Um I don't know. David's I think David's getting to the point where it's uh almost time to hang it up in my opinion cuz he's been racing a real long wow. time. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, he's been racing a long time. <laughs> well, yeah. I, look I, again,
1: you you kind of get to that point in your career where you are what you are. And I think that's what you're trying to say. I don't think you were trying to quite be as mean as that sounded like, but yeah, I mean, I just think it would be interesting, honestly, to see Benedetto and McDowell together because I've always thought McDowell was better than what he was able to show in the 95 car, which became a part of the news story as well when Travis Mack, who Casey Kane really liked uh, as a crew chief, was suddenly dismissed and replaced by John Leonard, who was an engineer there. Now, you know, again, Casey has done pretty well in the couple of races that Leonard is has been up on the box. So, uh, But I, I didn't really quite understand the whole dismissal of Travis Mack, and I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard, or maybe I just missed it, Jacob, that he's been picked up by somebody else, because I think Travis is a very talented young crew chief who, in the right situation could actually develop into a a, a championship-winning crew chief.
2: I hadn't heard for sure whether he had been picked up. I knew there were discussions, but yeah, I've, I I've, I've I not seen That's what I'm saying. Yet. I'm surprised yeah.
1: that uh, nobody has reached out and uh, snagged him up because I think he definitely has uh, something to offer there uh, as a crew chief. So it'll be interesting to see how Casey Kane performs the rest of the season with the new crew chief. That kind of leads us into, we had got a couple of minutes uh, before the lightning round here, kind of leads us into some discussion about Chicago. And, I mean, when you look, I mean, you look at the whole season, and it was interesting last week because you think on the road course you see some different names. Well, we saw Allmendinger, but we expected that. But other than that, it was pretty much the same three guys. It was, four, I mean, with with Clint Boyer kind of tucked up in there, but Kyle Busch was strong. And it was Truex and Harvick who battled for the win do you see anything jacob that would tell you it's going to be any different at chicago this week nope i mean we just sort of seem to be in this situation tyler where there's your guys right there you throw kyle bush in there and now you got to, i think you got to look at boyer there's your guys do we see eric almirola at some point finally step up and get a win this year or is he running out of time tyler
8: I wouldn't say he's running out of time to, to you know, get a win this season. Uh, maybe, not, maybe not be a play a big playoff contender. Um, I'm well, not sure if he gets sure a win, he goes that. to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Unless
1: he does it in the playoffs. Well, yeah, of he's
2: not already there. It's, well, no, well, it's <laughs> not a guarantee that he's not already there. He could make it on points. Hello.
1: Well, no, I'm saying if he gets his win after the playoffs start,
2: he can't go to the playoffs because if he's not there already is what, right. what I said. But, well, you didn't quite. I, I, I did. You confused. just misunderstood it. Anyway, so I'm looking at the standings right now, and I think it's a very good possibility that Almirola actually does go to the playoffs based on points, points, because he's been very, very good so far, very consistent already this season. I mean, he sits 10th in the regular season standings, and among... The uh the playoff grid, he is, I think, eleventh of the sixteen, with a pretty good buffer between himself and sixteenth place Alex Bowman, who is the the last driver in right now as it sits on points. He's got a little bit he's got a hundred and eight points between himself and Bowman, who's sixteenth and about a hundred and 125 points over the cutoff line, which is more than two races. Eric's in very, very good shape right now, barring some sort of calamitous collapse, Cisco, over the final 10 races before we start the playoffs.
3: And and can I bring up the point where, you know, not that long ago, maybe about a year or so, we were... Oh, Ryan Newman, you know, he hasn't won a race this season, yet he's in the playoffs, and yet we sit at the precipice where there's a decent chance that half the playoff grid might end up in the playoffs without winning a race this season.
1: Well, that's true, but my original question was, does Eric Almirola get a win uh, and it, so that wasn't necessarily when he make the
2: playoffs. I, think I he, feel like I he's feel in, like in the he, playoffs. I mean, I feel barring, like he will get a win, though. Honestly, I think there. I, I think there's only so long that the rest of the SHR brigade can run that well without Almirola feeding off of that and ultimately running for a win in his own right. Kurt Bush's numbers look far worse than they actually are because he's had every vestige of bad luck oh, this gosh. season. Yeah, sure I mean, has. And he still has nine top tens in the first 16 races. So I feel like Kurt's definitely, Tom, going to get a win before the playoffs. And I think Almirola has a shot to get one, too.
1: Well, I not only believe Eric Almirola will get a win before the playoffs, I'm calling the shot. When we go to Daytona next week, Eric Almirola comes out of there with the win that he should have had in, in February, February but didn't get yes. it because well Austin Dillon just wanted it a little bit more uh with that you we called, step aside d- d-
2: never mind I'm not even gonna open that argument go to break I. Uh,
1: <laughs> Trevor Bain 2011 so I'm saying we'll be back with more of the stock car show our lightning rounds coming up and we'll see what we can find to debate when that happens right around the turn here on Spreaker at the performance motorsports network
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
2: I'm Dalton Sargent, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Thank you, Dalton Sergeant, and we will see Dalton shortly as this show airs live. The ARCA race broadcast scheduled to start in about, uh, oh, 10 minutes or so on FS1. So you'll have time to finish listening to this live broadcast and then go quickly flip your TVs over to FS1 and watch the ARCA race tonight from Chicagoland, which starts a four race weekend, trucks, Xfinity, and then Cup. Uh, to follow so with that we go into our lightning round tom baker jacob Seelman, tyler dayton and cisco scaramuzza talking motorsports with you here tonight randy miller punching all the right buttons behind the glass over there in the production chair and so here's where i'm going to go with this we started to talk about eric Almirola in the last segment and whether or not he was going to win a race you look at the point standings right now in the cup series Here's my first lightning round question, and we'll go around the table here. I'll start with Jacob, go to Tyler, then Cisco. Um, Who becomes the first Hendrick Motorsports car to win a race in 2018? You got four choices, and you can also have a fifth choice, which is none of them are going to win a race. Jacob.
2: I don't believe that none of them are going to win a race because you can only you can only keep a championship team like Hendrick Motorsports down for so long. Even petty enterprises went through slumps during its tenure when Richard was winning championships and races like uh, yesterday's news like about six years after he won Daytona in 84 he never won again. <laughs> well, uh, here's the deal. I don't believe that's going to happen Nine either. Years, I guess just saying anyhow. I'm going to—this is not a cop-out. I'm sorry, but I'm saying it because I believe it's true. Jimmy Johnson will be the first Hendrick Motorsports driver to win a race this season. Why? Veteran experience. Chase Elliott still hasn't shown me anything that proves he has uh, gotten over the thinking himself out of winning races uh, mental game yet. And the other two young guys, I don't feel, are quite to that threshold yet. Bowman's getting close, but if it's a choice between 48 and 88, I'm going 48 all day.
1: Okay. Why did you use the word cop out there? I'm just curious. How,
2: because usually when I pick, so when, usually when I say Jimmy Johnson's going to win something, everybody thinks I'm taking the easy way out.
1: Well, in in this case, none of it's the easy way out because they've all basically been not so good for the most part this year. Though they do show signs of slight improvement. Tyler, which of the four or none is the who will be the first to I have win to, I or have to, I
8: have to agree with Jacob. I I don't think Bowman's to the point where he's going to be able to go out there and win a race yet. Um, I just think it's going to be Jimmy. Just the fact that they somehow always find a way to do it. Chad and Jimmy always find a way to either strategy-wise, strategy get their way get their car in a position to win or something like that. I just think it's going to be Jimmy if it's going to happen at all. Cisco?
3: Um... I'm not going to pick any of them because I think Dale Jr. is not going to be able to resist and gets back in the 88 and wins it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm you're kidding. funny. Though no, that would be that would be the most storybook ending ever. Dale runs out the broadcast booth. No, I'm gonna win the race. and then it up to the 88 and wins at Daytona. Well, he did say
1: that they were gonna what? have to tether him to the floor. So,
3: <laughs> but no, no, I have to agree with uh, Jacob and Tyler. I think 48, and for the same reason Jacob brought up, I just haven't seen Chase at a level to where he's gonna be able to make this thing happen. I'm going to go with the
1: nine car, which again would be the cop out of the four because he's been the closest. I think you go to a place like Martinsville, Chase Elliott finally gets angry enough and just says, screw this, and starts blasting people and ends up winning
2: the race. So hang on a minute. You're telling me that you don't believe a Hendrick Motorsports car is going to win until four races to go this year?
1: I just said like Martinsville.
2: I didn't necessarily say it would be at Martinsville. Okay, so the next short track race is Richmond.
1: I'm just saying I think there's a point where Chase Elliott just has that moment where he just sort of flips, hit the switch, and and um, just goes all evil. I, I think Chase Elliott wins before then the year's over. he has to
3: wreck him again, and then that'll yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think, honestly, unless it's at a plate track, I don't think Jimmy Johnson... Alex Bowman or William Byron win a race this year, unless it's at a plate track. The only driver from that organization I see possibly getting a win this year, and I'm not totally sold on Chase, but I think, I mean, at some point, the law of averages has to catch up here, and Chase has got to get a win. I just don't, I don't think any of the other ones have the speed. Chase has at least shown the speed to run somewhere up in the top three or four at times. None of the other cars have. So until until Jimmy Johnson shows me he can actually contend for a win instead of barely being able to finish in the top 10 and struggle to run in the top 5 on these tracks where he usually wins I'm not buying it Jimmy Johnson's not winning a race
3: Cisco. How does your law have averages affect uh, when uh, Rusty Wallace or Tony Stewart try to win the Daytona 500? Uh, I well, think the, I, it's kind of broke there. I,
1: I just to me, to assume that Chase Elliott never wins a race is just not thinkable. I mean, I don't, at some point, the luck's going to tip just enough in his favor to put him in that position to be the leader instead of the second-place car when he needs to be on an open track and he's just going to drive it to a win, kind of like happened with Blaney at Pocono last year. But I think uh, I think if any of the four are going to do it, it's Chase Elliott. I'm not totally convinced uh, about that. I just don't I I don't think I think there's a good chance we see an entire season go by with no Hendrick cars in victory lane. I sure hope I'm wrong. Okay, next um, next question here. Does do either Eric Jones or Ryan Blaney win a race before the season's over? Yes or no. Cisco.
3: Yes, and Ryan Blaney going to win a race this year.
1: Okay, so you think I Ryan... No,
3: I have no problem making that statement at all.
1: Eric, yes or no?
3: You said Eric, no. Eric, your question is either. Uh,
1: it, it's my show. I can change the question. Do either of them win? You said yes for Blaney. I'm saying you don't think Eric does. It's a follow-up.
3: I don't think Eric does because Kyle Busch will win the races. Eric Jones would have won. <laughs>
2: He's not <laughs> wrong.
1: He made that sound so so sinister on Kyle's part, though. Okay,
6: Tyler. No,
3: no not, not from that, but I'm just saying that Kyle Busch will be faster than Eric because that's
6: just how those cars are lined up.
3: So, therefore, Kyle Busch will be faster
8: than Eric. I and see, okay. All right,
1: Tyler, either of them, yes or no? Blaney,
8: yes, for sure. Okay. I just think Blaney's too good, and he's shown that he's got speed. So I, I think yes. Yes Eric for Blaney, Jones. no for Jones. Uh, I, I just can't get behind Eric. He's just not consistent enough for me to want to put him in a winning position. Jacob,
2: That's three. Yes for Blaney, no for Eric. I'm sorry. And I actually agree with Cisco's sentiment. If there were a place where I think Eric Jones wins, <laughs> it's at Bristol. And the king of Bristol is Kyle Busch. Therefore, Eric is not going to win at Bristol.
1: All right, I'm going to be different here. You know, here's the thing about Ryan Blaney. We keep saying that, again, you know, Ryan's going to win. Ryan's going to win. But look at how long it took him to finally do it with the Wood brothers. I just, and you look at Eric Jones, and he's been getting better and better and better all year long. But honestly, I'm not sure either one of them win. I think between the two, it's Blaney. But I will tell you the guy I think is going to win a race before the year is over. And you guys can agree or disagree, I think Daniel Suarez puts the 19 in victory lane
2: before the season's done. Jacob? I think he does. And you know where I think he does it? Dover in the playoffs. I don't think Daniel's going to make the playoffs, but he's been so good on the concrete over the last three years between Xfinity and the Cup Series, and I think he learned a lot at Dover this spring. I think if it's going to happen, it happens at Dover.
3: Cisco? I'm not going to say he wins at Dover because I think if... There's anything left in that 48 camp. That's where they figure their stuff out is because it's Dover and it's Jimmy Johnson. Well, he was terrible there when they were there earlier this season. So broke there last year.
1: I I don't know. I just, uh, okay. But, but do you think, do you agree or disagree that Daniel wins one?
3: No, because I have the same sentiment for Daniel as I have for Eric. Any place where I think Daniel would be able to win a race, (laughs) Kyle Busch is going to be faster and going to win that race. (laughs) Tyler.
8: Daniel Suarez? Yeah. Uh, No? no. Not consistent enough, like I said. By the way,
2: can I refute your point uh, going back to the Ryan (laughs) Blaney-Eric Jones argument? Eric Jones, one top five, six top tens average finish, 16.6. Ryan Blaney, three top fives, eight top tens. Better average finish.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't think... You can't, you can't just and look he's
2: at... Le, and, oh, by the way, he's led 444 laps this year. Eric Jones has led 76. And
1: hasn't managed to win yet with all those laps. My point is, you can you can lead all the laps you want. You can run up front all you want. You look at who's who's moving right now as we go into the summer. Blaney's the same or less than he was in terms of contending for wins and eric jones is getting better in his performances during the races it's interesting though yeah, that we still keep...
2: not even to the consistent level that blaney is on a weekly basis but i'm I, sorry but he's i just
1: not again i look at who's coming who's going and i think i i honestly think jones has but i think suarez is the guy that you got to watch out of that camp i do believe that we have an opportunity here for Daniel Suarez to move Kyle Busch to win a race. And he's already proven in the past he's not afraid to do it. So if Daniel Suarez gets a capable enough car to compete with one of these big guys for a win, Daniel Suarez will not hesitate to pull the trigger and go for it. Um, it's this is this is going to be interesting going forward. I, I just I love the way this is shaking out, actually, because you got so many of these yeah. guys that are so close um and and it just takes one day for everything to uh, come together for them. But OK, so we go into Chicago weekend and look forward to the ARCA race. And as we get ready to close out here, we again want to continue to extend Our thoughts and prayers and condolences to the family of Jason Johnson and all of those involved with the World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Car Series Um, from his uh, accident this past weekend. Just a a really, really sad and tough loss, not just for the racing community or not just for the
2: World of Outlaws community, but the racing community community. At large. Jacob, take us out. Well, I want to add to that for about five seconds. There was a memorial service held in Rocky Mount, Missouri, where Jason's shop was yesterday. His son, Jax, somebody brought a quarter midget over. Jax had a victory celebration and a cage stand in honor of his father. There you go. That's the way to do it. Thanks to Bob Steele, Sue Mace, and all the folks at PMN for what they do to make this show possible, as well as Randy Miller behind the glass from CSB for Tyler Dayton and Tom Baker. I'm Jacob Seelman. Oh, Cisco. Sorry, I didn't mean to forget Cisco. Cisco Scaramuza as well. I'm Jacob Seelman. Keep it off the wall, folks. And uh, if you're headed to a racetrack, we might just see you there, folks. Have a safe racing weekend. Good, Good night.
0: night. You've been listening to The Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.